You're listening to the sermon cast of First Presbyterian Church Spartanburg. To watch the full video of this worship service and to learn more about the ministries of our church, visit us online at fpcspartanburg.org. We hope you enjoy the message. As I mentioned earlier, and as John Daniel so eloquently and capably led our children in learning about, we're in the middle of this series that we're calling Godspeed. As you may have read in the sidebar in your bulletin, Godspeed is an old English word that literally means may God flourish you. And so each Sunday we are pausing at a different place on the journey of going Godspeed to ask ourselves where God might flourish us. Flourish us by being more present to both the people and to the place where we have been set. And so we began this series two Sundays ago considering the word place. Last week we stopped with the word presence. And this week we round out those three P's by considering our pace. What does it mean to slow down? and to literally go Godspeed. Our second reading this morning comes from the end, the very end of the second chapter of Luke. It is a pivot point, a transition story, if you will. The first full two chapters before these verses in Luke are the story of Jesus' birth. First, the announcement to Zechariah, the birth of John the Baptist, the Magnificat, the shepherds and the angels, Jesus being brought to the temple, Jesus being lost in the temple as a young boy. And then we reach verses 51 and 52. And right on the other side, we find that we're in a completely different part of Jesus' life. We are at the story of Jesus' baptism as a fully grown adult preparing to be launched out into his ministry. But first, we read these verses that help to bridge that time from boy to man. So let us listen once more for God's word as we hear these verses from Luke chapter 2, beginning with the 51st verse. Luke tells us, Jesus then went down with his parents from the temple and came to Nazareth. And he was obedient to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus, Luke tells us, then increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Good and gracious God, send your spirit that it might slow not only our feet, but also our minds. That it may open to us, O God, an increased wisdom and awareness of both the people and the places that you have set around us. Oh God, we pray now that in this space and with these people, your spirit might speak, not only through the words of my mouth, but through the meditations of all of our hearts gathered together here in your sight. 
that through its work, O God, you might be glorified. For you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So recently, in the last four, five years, I have discovered personally a renewed love for all things baseball. It's not that I disliked baseball before. I still have many memories, many fond memories of going to see the Cincinnati Reds play at Riverfront Stadium and later the Great American Ballpark there in downtown Cincy of listening to Marty Brenneman do the play-by-play on 700 WLW while driving home on a late summer night. It's not that I ever disliked baseball. I just, I don't know, never played it, with the exception of one season of t-ball where somehow I think I managed to get hit by the ball and that scared me enough to never want to go back. (laughs) Even in college, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit it now because the college I went to has a great baseball program, but I never went to any of their games. Basketball, football, 100%. Baseball, eh, why waste my time? You know, baseball uh, has been struggling a good bit in recent years, if you followed the news. Attendance, viewership, up until this year especially, has all been down at the major league level. And if you read a lot of the reports on the why, a lot of the experts point to one particular thing as being a key reason that baseball, among other sports, is struggling. Can you guess what it is? It's too slow. The pace of things is just a real problem for all of us busy people. Last year in 2022, the average length of a major league game was just over three hours. Now the pitch clock and some other changes this year has brought that down some. But over three hours, can you imagine just sitting there for three hours not doing anything but watching baseball? I love to read some of these sports writers because they're always so sarcastic in their writing. And uh, I read an article last year where this sports writer was just lamenting the pace of many American sports, among them baseball. And he claimed to have a neighbor who had taken his four-year-old son to a doubleheader one summer. And by the time they got back, the kid was six. (laughs) Right? A lot of us can relate to this. It's just so slow. The pace of baseball. But it's funny because I've started to reflect and wonder to myself if perhaps my newfound love of baseball has something to do with the correlating factor of the speed of my own life. Right As birthdays seem to come around sooner and sooner each year, as kids grow up really in the blink of an eye, there they are. They're not just babies. What? How did this happen? Church workers will tell you all the time that the church calendar just seems to move by in the blink of an eye every year. Wasn't it just Easter and now we're in Advent? How did that happen? The relentless return of Sunday week after week after week. I've started to wonder if perhaps the speed of my own life may have something to do with the reason that I now love more than many different things during the summer months especially, to just sit and watch some baseball because I need just one thing that goes a little slower. You know, it's always fascinated me, the pace of the Bible. 
The stories that we read of God's saving work across the generations as told to us in the scriptures, when you really pay attention, you discover that the pace of those stories happens and unfolds as, at this excruciatingly slow pace. Now, the action of a particular story may happen fast, but when you sit and look at the timeline over which that story is drawn out, it can span years, decades, centuries, millennia even. Right? Take the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, for example. Think of all those stories when you sit back and you really consider how much time has passed. It's astounding. Think of Genesis, the creation story that we just read. Think of the story of Abraham and Sarah. Four chapters it takes from the time that the covenant is cut that they will bear a child in their old age to the time that child is born. But in those four chapters is contained 25 years. 25 years goes quick, yes, but that's also a long time. Think of the hundreds of years that the Israelites spent in slavery. Think of the 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years is a long time. The young adult men were having a Bible study this spring and we were studying the uh, book or the uh, story of David through the book of 1 Samuel. And I remember being amazed. I hadn't really ever thought about how much time passes from the time that Samuel anoints David to be king as a young boy to the time he actually becomes king. It's like 30 years in just a few chapters. Even when we get into the New Testament, which itself only takes place across 70 years from the time Jesus is born to the last gospel and epistle writers finish their work, 70 years of time. But even in that time frame, we bump up against passages like this one that almost serve like a speed bump, if you will. Here we are in Luke's telling of the story of Jesus. We've had all this action of Jesus coming into the world, of the angels and shepherds being visited by angels by the shepherds being visited by angels. There we go. And then we bump into this story where Jesus is a young boy. But before we can get to the part where Jesus is a fully grown adult going out into his life, we bump into these verses that contain all of this time. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in years. Think of all the stories that are contained in that single verse. Think of all the birthday parties Jesus had in that time. Think of all the scraped knees that Jesus had. Think about all the nights where Jesus knocked in the middle of the night on his parents' door and said, Mom, Dad, I had a scary dream. Can I get in bed with you? Right? Think about all of the challenges that Jesus faced in that one verse as he grew into a teenager, into a young adult. Think about all those moments where God's hope, God's joy was revealed to him, but also all of those moments where, like all of us, Jesus had to come face to face with disappointment and failure and doubt and worry. You know, it's amazing to me how from the start, from the start, Jesus moves at this more humane pace. Right, how we learn these stories of Jesus and we understand how it, it unfolds at this incredibly slow, slow pace. This person upon whom our entire salvation rests has to first grow up. 
God's work does not happen in a hurry. God's story does not unfold in a rush. It takes place hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month. And we have to wonder to ourselves, why is that? Why doesn't the story in Luke just pick up in chapter 3 with Jesus' baptism, a lot like the gospel of Mark? Why does Luke insist on telling us that Jesus had to have this period of his life where he had to first grow up? I think it's because God knows that the pace at which we live determines the who and the what we notice. The pace at which we live our lives determines the who and the what that fills both our minds and our hearts. From the start, Jesus is moving at this more normal pace the pace that we can relate to. And in doing so, he seems to be directing both his life and ours towards the faces of people that otherwise we might miss. Right? Jesus goes about his busy life noticing. Noticing tax collectors in trees. Noticing demoniacs in a cave. Noticing a woman at a well. Noticing children who are tucked behind adults that have crowded in to hear what he has to say. Jesus spends his life telling stories of people rushing by those in need until one person slows down enough to care for that hurting stranger. God goes slow. Because God wants to show us that it is impossible to love people well when we are going fast. But the more interesting question, I think, is not why God goes slow, but why we insist on going so darn fast. I think when we step back, we can think of a lot of reasons that our lives are lived at the pace that they often are. Right? Things like ambition, a need for recognition. Underneath some of it is probably an element of greed, of needing to make sure that we have enough and then some. But I think if we go even deeper still, what we discover is that part of the driving force behind the pace, the quick pace of so many of our lives is fear. We're afraid of what we might have to see and face, both about ourselves, but also about the lives of those around us if we slow down. One person after the early service really put their finger on it when she said, I think that one of the things we're afraid of is that if we slow down our hearts, they might break. Everywhere I turned this week, I kept encountering people who were trying to show me what it looks like to live a little slower than I do. I encountered a person who was working desperately, tirelessly to try and care for a neighbor whose needs seemed almost insurmountable. I saw people giving up whole days, mornings, afternoons of their week to come and to care for children who live in motels in our community to just show them love to feed them, to nourish them, both in body and mind and in spirit. 
I also heard stories from people who traveled with a group of community leaders as part of the Spartanburg Race Equity Collaborative to Montgomery, Alabama this week to visit the Legacy Museum to learn about the hard parts of our country's history. It's hard work to slow down. And sure enough, when I came back or when I slowed down and listened to the stories of those who came back from those experiences, a lot of what I heard was heartbreak. Because when you slow down and you come face to face with the stories of those who are in need, those faces and stories that otherwise we might miss, what we discover is that change does not always happen overnight. That justice isn't achieved in just a day. That God's saving work can sometimes feel painfully slow. But the other thing I heard and sensed in their sharing, in the sharing of these people who had slowed down more than I have, was that in slowing down, what they discovered was that for some of them, for the first time, they began to see God's saving work becoming painfully clear. That it was only in shifting gears and taking the time that it takes to listen to the stories of others, to notice those people who otherwise we might pass by hurrying from one thing to the next. They began to find God's saving love at work. And the prayers that were offered for them not just the prayers that they offered for others and the kindness that was showed to them, not just in the kindness that was showed to others and the mutual love that seemed to cross between two people in that time spent together. It was in slowing down that God's saving work became apparent. This week, the College World Series has been happening. Anyone lose sleep like me? Yeah, I see some hands. I went to bed early last night for the first time and woke rested today for the first time too in about a week and a half. There was a great game earlier in the week on Tuesday between LSU and Wake Forest. It was the first of what ended up being a three-game series LSU ended up coming out on top, but the first game they played was on Tuesday night. Pitching was amazing. By the bottom of the eighth inning, it was tied two to two. Two outs, two strikes, and Bennett Lee, the catcher for Wake Forest, came up to the plate. Now, one of the really cool things about this Wake Forest team was the joy and excitement with which they played. They laughed. They played jokes on each other. They just seemed to be enjoying themselves. But Bennett Lee comes to the plate, gets two strikes on him quick, and he's shaking in his boots. This is what he told the reporters afterwards. And so you know what he does? All that action happening so quick, he calls timeout. And he walks up the third base line and he talks to his coach. And his coach and him, they laugh 
Two outs, two strikes, bottom of the eighth, College World Series. They're laughing. Everything slows down for a few minutes. And then he walks back to the plate. And it's almost as if he saw things differently after slowing down. The pitch comes, and Bennett Lee drives in a double. The winning run comes across the plate, and Wake Forest wins. When we slow down in baseball and life, we see things differently. When we get swept up, But when we get swept up, I wonder what God is trying to reveal to us that is just flying by. Friends, I could offer all sorts of advice, sit on a bench, read a book, go on a walk. I don't know what it is for you to slow down. But what I do know is that when we find God's speed, when we find that more humane pace in our own lives, we too will begin to have our hearts, our minds, our eyes open to God's saving work in our midst this very moment and always. In the name of the one who reveals it to us, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, amen.